So if you are new with us, we've been going through a series called Relationships, A Glorious Mess. And so we've been talking about, um, Richard's been preaching about marriage and how to find the right mate. And we did a week on singleness. Oh, the single ladies. Now, um, we did a week on singleness uh, and talked about the singles and uh, kind of looked at what God said in his word about singles in the season of singleness. And this morning we have uh, something that's uh, very unique and uh, from what the statistics say affects a lot of us. Uh, we're going to talk about fatherlessness, the wounds uh, created by our fathers, the brokenness that's created by our fathers this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 49, verse 22 through 26, and then we'll just tag in there uh, verse 28. Hear now the words of the Lord. Joseph is a fruitful buff or vine, a fruitful vine by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers uh, bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of, get this, the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast. And of the womb, the blessings of your father, and mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. Hills, may they be on the head of Joseph, and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Skip down to verse 28. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them. Blessed each with the blessing suitable to him. Those are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. I have a very good friend who, who's a daredevil. Uh, this guy is a risk taker. We grew up together in, in my neighborhood back in St. Louis. And I remember there were times where, you know, we were teenagers and kids, uh, boys getting into trouble. Uh, we, we just would create stuff to have fun. So in my neighborhood, I grew up in an inner city neighborhood, we had vacant buildings all over the place. And so those vacant buildings were our playgrounds. That's where we hung out. That's where we kicked it. So there were times where we would find these, uh, uh, don't frown at me, y'all, but we would find these old dirty mattresses. And uh, I grew up poor, so we would take these mattresses, rip off the fabric, and we would create trampolines with the springs inside of mattresses. All right? So you could find us on any given day with these old dirty mattresses uh, pushed up to the back of a vacant building, jumping out of the back door of vacant buildings onto our makeshift trampolines, right? So here we are creating trampolines and we're flipping out of the back door of a vacant building, right? Kids, um, my friend, my good friend, he was much more of a daredevil than I. So there were times where he would go up to the second floor, kick out the board that was over the second floor window, and literally, the second floor, mind you, a daredevil, jump out of the second floor window to the springs, the mattress springs, below our makeshift trampoline. He was a daredevil. Uh, I remember a specific time. He climbed this tree. 
And I was the kind of guy that, you know, I was more analytical, you know. I, I would think about things before I did it. So I'm looking at him as he's jumping out the second floor window, and I'm thinking to myself, I could break my leg. So, so I'm going to watch you uh, while you jump out of that second floor window. I'm going to applaud you if you land the jump. Um, but you are not going to catch me jumping out of a second floor window. Uh, so there was one particular time he climbed this massive tree. And he was swinging on a limb saying, watch me and look at me from this massive tree. And you know, uh, you can imagine what happened next. He lost his grip. And he was slinging, uh, as he's swinging on this limb, he lost his grip, and he went face first, boom, into the ground. And when he got up, I could tell he was a little dazed. He was kind of, he was kind of moving like this. Get this, he had rocks stuck in his forehead because he face planted into the ground. This guy was a daredevil. And when he got up and he could actually walk, Guess what I did with my analytical self? I applauded him. I said, man, I would never do that. But you pulled it off. I applauded him. He, he was a daredevil. But this guy was so much of a daredevil. He was so much of a risk taker. He's got the wounds to prove it. He, he's got the injuries to prove how much of a risk taker he really is. Uh, he was a football player in high school. And I remember one particular time he was in practice. Uh, he was uh, going in for a tackle. And being a risk taker like he is, probably a tackle that he probably shouldn't have been going in to take. And so he goes in for this tackle. He hits the ground. And a more than 200-pound lineman falls on his leg and breaks his leg. Snaps his leg in two. This guy was a risk taker. He's got the wounds to prove how much of a risk taker he really is. And so when the weather gets cold, he can feel that rod in his leg aching. He's got the wounds to prove how much of a risk taker he is. See, this morning, I want to talk about father wounds. I want to talk about wounds, and, we, and many of us have these wounds that we may not even know we have, but when the coldness of life hits, we begin to ache. We got wounds that we don't even know exist. Wounds from our Father. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to speak from the subject, wounds from my Father. Would you pray with me? Great God, Lord, without speaking, you already know my story. You know the wounds I have, Lord. So would you give me the grace to make it through this thing? Would you help, Lord? And not just help me, Father, would you, would you help us? Would you speak to us, Father, as I believe you're going to unearth some things this morning? I pray, O oh God, that you would be in our midst. Father, would you medicate the wounds that we have with the power of your gospel? Well, that's the only medication we have for these kinds of wounds. So, Father, be present with us. 
And I know my weaknesses, Father. I'm not eloquent enough to be here. And I, and I trust that you would be strong in my weaknesses. So would you do work on us this morning? Father, as I often pray, John the Baptist prayed, I pray that you would allow me to decrease, that you may increase in me. Father, may you have your way this morning. Father, say what you will. Do what you will, Father. Push the buttons that you will. And Lord, may it be for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What we see a bit of this morning is the incredible story of Joseph. Joseph has an incredible story. And you can learn uh, much more about Joseph's life and his story if you read in its entirety Genesis 35 through 50. You can have a good idea of who Joseph is and what Joseph had to go through to be the man that he is. You thought you had it bad. Joseph went through some things. You thought Beyonce went through it after she got caught lip syncing. Joseph went through some things. Here is a brother who was stripped naked by his own brothers because they were jealous of him. He was thrown into a pit and left for dead. He was then um, picked up out of that pit and sold into slavery by his own brothers. Think of the betrayal there. Joseph, after he's sold into slavery, he's sold into slavery again into Potiphar's house. Joseph is lied on by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison. I mean, this brother has experienced some things in his life. He's taken some heat over the course of his life. But what I really love about this passage is that it's the words of a man on his deathbed. So this morning, what we have the privilege of seeing is we have the privilege of peeking into a man's last words. His final words. Not just any man, but it's Joseph's father, Jacob. He is dying. He's on his deathbed. And we get to see what his message is to his sons. It's the words of a loving father to his sons. It's amazing how we notice a loving father with his children, right? So if you're out in Kroger and you see a dad walking with his son or with his daughter, you notice. If I'm in the barber shop and, and I see a dad walk in with his son and he picks up his son and he puts him in the seat and as his son's moving around and squirming, he's telling his son that it's going to be okay. I notice that kind of thing. Man, if you're walking around downtown or in your no neighborhood, you notice a loving father. It's a special thing. And I want you to hear this right off the bat. Um, I am not devaluing the role of a mother. But the wounds that we've incurred from our fathers are unimaginable. And many of us don't even know about it. But the reason why we notice so attentively, when we see a loving father, when we see a great dad, is sadly enough, because loving fathers are extremely rare. See, if you have experienced the love 
of your father, you are not the norm. And that's sad to say. If you've had a great relationship with your father, if you've been in contact with your father all of your life, you are not the norm. And that's sad. I'm going to give you just a few statistics. Look at this. 43% of U.S. children live without their fathers. African-American homes, around 70% of homes are without fathers. According to the 2010 census, nearly 4 out of 10 children in Memphis live in a home without a father. What is the effects of that fatherlessness? 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Children in father-absent homes, get this, are five times more likely to be poor. There's an epidemic of fatherlessness. There's a burden here of fatherlessness. I can go on all day giving you these statistics of what the absence of fathers cause. But see, the order that God intended was for fathers to be engaged and to be present with their children. One of the things we see from Joseph's story is that loving fathers affirm and bless their children. Early in Joseph's story, after his brothers stripped him naked and they threw him away in a pit, uh, his, his dad responds. They, the, Joseph's brothers tell him, uh, they go and they say, you know what, dad, um, Joseph has been mauled by an animal. And they bring back a bloody robe lying to their father about what happened to their brother. And I want to show you Joseph's dad's response. Here's Jacob's response in Genesis 37, 34 through 35. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning. Thus his father wept for him, the Bible says. That's a loving dad. A dad who was broken over the loss of his son. A dad who cared for his son in such a deep way. Do you see the love that that father had? That's a loving dad. He's pained. And he's broken over the loss of his son. Look at verse 22 with me. Joseph is a fruitful buff or vine. A fruitful buff by a spring. He branches, his branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile. So do you hear the affirmation in Jacob's voice to his son? He says, blessings upon you, son. He's saying, my son is like a fruitful vine. My son has been attacked, but he remained strong. My son, even under attack, he remained steady. He is my son. See, a a dad's job is to tell his child who he is. His job is to affirm the gifts in his child. His 
His job is to tell his child, uh, son, daughter, well done. Well done. That's the dad's job. Jacob sought to be so important that on his deathbed, he is affirming his son. He's speaking well of his son, even on his deathbed. See, this isn't a new idea. The best model we have to peek into of a father's relationship with his child is God's relationship with Jesus. Look at Matthew 3.17 with me. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Do you see the affirmation there? God peers down on his son. He says to his son, You are my beloved. I love you, son. I care for you, son. Son, I'm proud of you. You've done a good job, son. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with you, son. Do you see the affirmation of God with his son? See, this is remarkable stuff because here Jesus is being baptized. It's an important mile marker in Jesus' life and his father is present. Many of us haven't experienced that. And God affirms his son. He says, son, you've done a good job. Son, I'm, I'm proud of you, son. Son, keep up the good work, son. Daddy's proud of you. He affirms his son. Uh, you'll excuse me for this, but um, one of my favorite movies is a 1999 film. It takes place in L.A. Um, Ice Cube is in the movie. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, is, is in the movie. Nia Long is, is in this movie. Uh, Lauren Fishburne is in this movie. This is one of my favorite movies. Y'all know what it is, Boys in the Hood. Look, half the church is like, what is he talking about? Ask the black person on your row what I'm talking about. Um, but this movie... In this movie, this movie takes place in the inner city in L.A., right? So this movie happens, and um, there's a character. His name is Trey, played by Cuba Gooding Jr. And Trey grows up in the inner city, and he's raised by his single father. All of his friends in his neighborhood don't know their fathers. Their fathers are nowhere to be found, but Trey has a dad. Trey has a dad who loves him and who cares for him. There's this one particular scene in the movie where Trey is walking to the store with his best friend, Ricky. Ricky gets murdered by some guys in the neighborhood, a rival gang. Ricky is a good guy. Uh, He just passed the SAT. He's on his way to college on the football scholarship, and he gets murdered in an alleyway. Trey, with tears in his eyes, holds his friend, as bloody as he is, in his arms. Trey, after taking his friend's dead body to uh, his friend's home, Trey runs home to his own house. He's upset. He's angry. And he's about to get revenge. He runs to his room, and he reaches under his bed, and he grabs a pistol. He loads this pistol... 
And he's got a loaded gun in his hand as he's about to walk out of the front door of his house. And in comes his father. This scene brings tears to my eyes. His father is standing between Trey and the door. Trey's father is standing in between life and death for his son. And you know what he says to him? He says, son... You're my son. I love you. He says, I love you, son. You're my son. And I'm not going to let you wreck your life. He grabs him. He embraces him. He says, I love you, son. Son, I care for you. You're my son. He affirms him. Do you see that? The power of The words of his father breaks him. He has tears in his eyes. And you know what Trey does? He actually, over the course of the movie, he sneaks out of the window and goes with his friends anyway. But before they go do what they're about to do, Trey says, stop the car. Let me out. And his friends are a little perturbed a little bit. He says, stop the car. Let me out. Trey gets out of the car and he walks home. And I got to believe that was because his father intervened. I got to believe it was because his father said, son, you're my son. And I love you. You're my son. Son, and I care for you. I'm not going to let you wreck your life. That's what Jacob shows us about fatherhood. He shows us. That it ought to be about blessing and affirmation. Yet so many of us have experienced the exact opposite. There's some here that have great God-honoring fathers who were there for you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I say, praise God to that. Your dad was there for you. Yet so many of us would be in that 43% without fathers. Our dads punted on their responsibility to be there for us. Um, they, they kicked us to the curb, per se. And the reality is, get this, sin has destroyed the right relationship fathers ought to have with their children. It's the relationship like the one I had with my father. I'm 28 years old, and I can never remember a time When my father said to me, son, I love you. Do you know what that does to a man? Never have I heard my father say, I love you, son. Son, I care for you. Son, I'm I'm proud of you. Never. You know what that does to a man? Wounds. Wounds. And so now, because of the wounds that I have from my father, I have a hard time trusting now. Because of the wounds I have from my father, I have a hard time committing in relationships. Why? Because I'm fearful. I'm fearful that if I do get in a relationship, maybe it will end up like my father. Maybe I will be like him, right? 
Um, Maybe my marriage will fail like his marriage failed. Maybe I will fail as a father to my children one day like my father failed to me and my three sisters and my brother. Maybe I'll be a failure. So I'm fearful because I have wounds from my father. But more times than not, can you believe after never knowing my father, after never having a relationship with him, I still long for it? (laughs) Can you believe that? He's never done one thing for me. After hoping and wishing that he would just make just one game when I was in school. Hoping and wishing that he would make just, just one graduation. Hoping and, and wishing that he would see me off to, to just one dance. and Maybe tighten up my tie for me. Hoping and wishing as, when I was a kid for it to never come true. And still, I long for it. <laughs> Why is that? I think it's because Proverbs 17.6 says, The glory of children are their fathers. But more times than not, that's not the reality. And see, many of you have experienced much of the same hurt. Maybe your father was verbally abusive to you. Maybe your father was physically abusive to you. Maybe your father was a pervert and the truth came out. Um, Maybe your father was an alcoholic and every time he drank, he beat you and your mother. Maybe your father had a great job and he put his job over you and your siblings in in y'all's house. See, maybe he was physically present, but maybe he was emotionally absent. Maybe he was in the house and he still wasn't engaged with you. Maybe you've experienced some pain from your father, too. Maybe your father was a womanizer. And all you could ever see was him taking advantage of women. Maybe you've never met your father If you saw him in a crowd, you wouldn't know who he was. See, because our fathers have been absent and abusive, because they've missed the mark on what a father-child relationship ought to look like, we're left with wounds. And many of us have been walking around for years with wounds from our fathers. And we don't even know it. See, when the proverbial coldness of life hits, when the hardships in relationships hit, you know, we begin to see and experience and feel those wounds. There's some women with daddy wounds. And maybe you're here this morning. You've got daddy wounds and you sleep around and you don't know why. Maybe you're here this morning. And you've been looking for somebody to tell you how beautiful you are. Because your father wasn't man enough to stay and do it. 
and you've got wounds. Maybe you're a man this morning here, and for the life of you, you can't figure out why you can't stay in a relationship and stick with it. Maybe because you got wounds from your father. Maybe you're a guy here this morning and for years you've been sleeping around. And you don't know why. And you're looking for fulfillment. You're, you're looking for affirmation from someplace, somewhere, and you want to find it, but you always come back empty, wounds from your father. And many of us come from those kinds of atmospheres. We have those wounds. We don't trust easily. We will not commit. We, we are marked by fear in our lives. And we don't know where it comes from. Wounds. From our fathers. We have wounds. All of it because there is a distorted relationship. See, the intended peace of the father-child relationship has been broken because of sin. And now fathers don't take responsibility for the children that they helped create. They're just sperm donors. They don't stay. They don't cultivate what they helped create. And let me just say this. Some of our fathers had the same thing done to them. And that's all they know. All they know is to run. They don't know how to stay. They don't know how to bless and to affirm. Though that's no excuse, some of our fathers have been through the same exact thing. And what they gave you is what they got. What they extended to you is what they got. So then the question becomes... Does God even care about this stuff? And I know if, you, if you're like me, you've had to have asked that question, does God even care? Does He care about the reality that my Father was never there for me and the pain that that's caused me? Does He care? <laughs> and I would have to say, even with, with hurt... Even with the pain that I've gone through in my short life, I would have to say that He cares. That God cares. That He cares. Let me give you some Bible on this. Exodus 22, 22. Get this. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Deuteronomy 10, 18. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and love the sojourner. Psalm 10, 17 through 18. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. I felt afflicted in my life. You will strengthen their heart. Thank you, Jesus. You will incline your ear to do justice, get this, to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Isaiah 1, 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. Jeremiah 7, 6-7. If you do not oppress the sojourner, 
the fatherless or the widow or shed innocent blood in this place. If you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Zechariah 7, 9 through 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Get this. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. See, what we see, and that's just a glimpse, over and over again, God is for the fatherless. He's for people like me. He's for people like you who have never experienced the love of your Father. He is for you. He cares for you. You are not alone. Because God says in an overwhelming loud voice, I'm for the fatherless. You have somebody to lean on and somebody to care for you. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I love you. God says, I'm for the fatherless. And over and over again, he points to the reality that if you want to be in the will of God, you'll help the fatherless. Because he's for them. He cares for them. Lastly, Joseph's story shows us that real fathers give spiritual direction. Real fathers give spiritual direction. Look at verse 24 with me. Yet his, his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of, get this, the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you with blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that crouches beneath. Blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. Up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. See, what's so impressive about this is that Jacob, in blessing his son, gives all credit to God the Father. And then Jacob points his son to Jesus. See, a good dad will tell his child, you are who you are, you are what you are because of the Mighty One. A good dad will say, son, daughter, you are who you are because of the Mighty One. Because of the shepherd. Because of the stone. You are who you are. Because God said so. Son, I love you, but my love will never compare to the love of the Father. That's what a good dad does. A good dad says, son, daughter, I love you, I care for you, but Jesus loves you more. That's what a good dad does. And so Jacob points his son to the shepherd, to the one that will protect, to the one that will feed, to the one that will guide and lead. He points his son to Jesus. What are you talking about, Chris? How do you, how do you know? Jacob points his child to the rock or the stone of Israel. Who is the stone? First Peter helps us shed light on Genesis 49. First Peter 2.6 says this. Look at it with me. For it stands in Scripture, 
Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Don't miss this. See, Jacob on his deathbed tells his child, he says, if you don't want to be put to shame, son, trust in Jesus. Trust in the rock. Trust in the stone of Israel. If you don't want to be put to shame, son, you better trust in Jesus. Because daddy will fail you and daddy will be long gone one day. But you trust in Jesus. You, you put your hope in Jesus, son. That's what a good dad does. Hear me when, when I say, when I trust in Jesus in the 2 Corinthians 5.17 kind of way, we are new creatures. We get new identities What does that mean? That means that we are no longer held to the standard of our fathers. I don't have to fear of being just like my father. Why? Because I'm new in Christ. Christ has given me a new name. He's given me a new identity. Now I don't have to fear being like my dad. I don't have to fear walking in his footsteps because Christ has given me a new name. I'm a new creature in a 2 Corinthians 5, 17 kind of way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away, even the identity of my father. I'm new. I'm new. I'm not held to, to the burden of what my father left me with. And see, the blessing of that is, what's so gracious about that is, you have the privilege of creating a new legacy. You can be different. Start today. So I've told myself, you know what? Um, My father uh, has been in prison all of my life. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I don't want to go to jail. (laughs) I can create a new legacy. I can create a new name. Because of Christ, maybe one day the Davis name will will be known for loving God forever. Maybe one day, by the grace of God, you can create a new legacy because you have a new identity in Christ. See, many of us view our Heavenly Father The same way we view our earthly father. See, many of us struggle with our relationship with God. Why? Because we have wounds. See, we can't imagine a loving and a compassionate God who will never leave us or never forsake us because our father left us and forsook us. We cannot imagine a father who will be there to make a way out of no way because our father never provided for us. And so many of us, we view God the same way we view our earthly father. And what Jacob says is, put your hope not in your, your earthly father, but in your heavenly father. He, he makes a beeline to Christ. He says the stone, the, the mighty one of Israel. Several times he says the almighty one, which means the all-powerful one. The strong one. He calls God the Almighty One and He says He is a helper. See, we don't have to depend on the strength of our Father because God 
gives us a new identity. It's also important for us to note that we are called, get this, to honor our father and mother in Scripture. And as hard as it is for me to say this, we are called, even the ones who were not there for us, to honor them. That's some tough stuff. We're called to honor them. And so when I look at Scripture, when I, when I look at uh, the Ten Commandments and it says, honor your father and your mother, it's easy for me to honor my mother because I love her to death. She provided for us. She, she stayed when it was hard, raising five kids on her own. She, she knelt down on her knees and prayed to God and depended upon God when we had nothing. It's easy for me to honor her. And I do. I honor her with everything in me. But it also calls me to honor my father. That ain't easy. And so what I love about that is it challenges us to honor our fathers and it does not give us any exemptions. Do you hear me? The Bible doesn't say honor your father uh, only if he wasn't addicted to crack cocaine. It doesn't say honor your father only if um, he didn't molest you when you were young. Hear me now. It doesn't say honor your father only if he wasn't an alcoholic. Only if he wasn't absent and he never did a thing for you. It says honor him anyway. That's some tough stuff. And I can't explain it. And if I were true and honest to you, I'll say I'm still working on it now. Um, but it calls us to honor our fathers. That's what we ought to do. So for many of us, that will take some getting used to. That will take a long uh, journey of forgiving our fathers. See, once I realized how much I was forgiven in Christ, that began to mess with me a little bit. See, I remember when I was a young teenager, I remember my father would call our house and uh, he, would, he would say, let me speak to one of the boys. And, and my mama would try to hand me the phone and I didn't want anything to do with him. Because when our lights was out, where were you? Where were you? And I was angry. But then I realized how much I turned my back on God. And he received me anyway. That wrecked me, man, I'm telling you. And so now I, I struggle with the reality that I ought to forgive my father. It's hard though, man. It's hard. But I'm called to forgive him. I'm called to love him anyway. I'm called to, to honor him and it ain't easy. So, for some of us, there are some letters that need to be written. There's some, some meetings that need to be had, right? There's some conversations that need to be had in a, in a process, in the journey of forgiveness. And don't, don't get me wrong, um, I'm not saying that honoring is the same thing as obeying. Because I'm a grown man, I don't have to obey my father. But I'm called to honor him. There's a difference. 
So there's, there's some work we got to do. And because we understand how much we were forgiven in Christ, some of us need to begin to walk in that process of forgiveness. And we need to begin to forgive our fathers. See, whether we know it or not, we long for the affirmation of our Father. Even Jesus, at His worst, at His worst point in the Garden of Gethsemane, He models this relationship, this depending upon His Father. He says, Abba, Father, please take this cup from me. Jesus says, Daddy, take this cup from me. Daddy, I cannot do this on my own. Daddy, take this cup from me, and we long for that same relationship too. It's a part of us, it's in us. It's not something that we can get rid of as much as we may try. Get this the whole of Christianity, even, um, the whole of Christianity is we live in the reality that, that our walks are uh, bringing us back to a relationship with our Father. So the very reason God sent Jesus was to bring us in a right relationship with Daddy. That's why He sent Him. He didn't just send Jesus to die. He didn't just send Jesus to be buried. He didn't just send Jesus to be raised from the dead. He sent Jesus that we may know Him, that we may love Him, that we may be satisfied in Jesus. Why? To bring us back into right relationship with our Daddy. That's why he sent him. That's the reason why Jacob points his son to the mighty one. The reason why Jacob points his son to Jesus is because Jacob knows that in him is all his son will ever need. And the reality today, and I would say this to you, in Jesus is all you will ever need. In him. And so like Jacob pointed his son to you, friends, I point you to Jesus because that's the only hope you have this morning. You have no other hope. Because our sin creates a rift between us and the Father and we are literally at war. We're at odds with the Father because of our sin. We're broken. We're destitute. And there's no way we can get out of it. But God sent Jesus. Would you receive Him this morning? Would you have Him this morning? Would you know Him? Would you find Him to be your true joy and your satisfaction? God sent Jesus for you even when your Father wasn't there. To love you. And to be for you. God sent Jesus. So I extend Jesus to you. May you be changed by Jesus. May you be renewed. May you experience life and life more abundantly. Why? Because of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. Would you choose to believe in that this morning? Because that's the only thing that will give you hope. Amen? Amen. This morning, um, I want to do something a little bit differently. I want to pray. I want to pray for those of you who have experienced some deep father wounds. Because I believe that God is available for us to heal and restore 
says you have not because you ask not. And some of us have been struggling and going through because we have wounds from our father. So I want to pray for us this morning. And I don't want you to feel weird, but in, in the spirit of obedience, if you have experienced a wound from your father, would you just stand with me? I want to pray for you. If that's something that you've experienced in your life and you need to experience restoration and you need to experience the healing of God, I want to pray for you. If you got that wound, you need to depend on God. We're going to depend on Him together. Just stand with me if, you, if that's you. And I'm going to pray. And so if you believe Jesus to be your only hope and you're standing around one of those persons, would you stand with them? Would you put an arm around them? Um, would you put a hand on them? We're a family here. We're going to pray. Let's pray together. Mighty God. Father, we're not strong enough, but you are. So I pray this morning, O oh God, that you would be with us. And so, Father, I pray for your healing power this morning. Father, many of us have experienced some serious wounds. So, mighty God, I pray that you would carve away the deadness and the calluses that have been created by our fathers. Would you heal, God? Father, would you restore to a right relationship, God? Lord, would you give us the power to forgive when we don't know the way we ought to forgive, would you strengthen us to forgive, God? Father, would you allow us to walk in the journey of forgiveness this morning, forgiving our fathers for the pains that they've caused us, forgiving them, oh God. Can you help us to forgive? Because that's the way we experience freedom is forgiveness. So, Father, would you heal? Would you touch? Would you set us free? Father, would you give us in Christ a new identity and not one of our fathers? Father, would you free us from the fear that we have because our fathers, Father? Would you free us from the commitment issues, Father? Would you free us from our tendency to seek affirmation in other places, the wrong places, oh God? Would you free us, Jesus? And would you draw us closer to you by the power of your Spirit? We need you, oh God. And thank you that our fathers' lives and choices do not dictate the choices and the lives and the direction that we move in now. Amen. And so we trust you to, to make us something new, O oh God. We trust you to do something great in our lives. Father, we start a new legacy today. A new name. O oh God, we pray that you would create that in us by the power of of your spirit and God will be faithful to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.